Welcome to another episode of Listening in Love, hosted by Richard Osler. My guests on today's podcast are a mother, Jill Brown, and her daughter, Esther Brown. Welcome to the podcast, you two. Thank you for having us. We're going to talk about their son and brother, Luke, who died by suicide January 12th, 2020, um, at the age of 31. And this will be a podcast. The goal of doing these podcasts are of several fold. One is um, to honor Luke. And we've been doing that the last half hour before we went live. There's pictures here of Luke. There's um, the program from the funeral. And I my, I just wish I'd met this good man. And so part of the podcast is to honor him. But part of the podcast is also for a sibling who has lost somebody to suicide to talk about that road. These two siblings, while a decade apart, Esther and Luke, are friends, deeply connected, and it's been, obviously, this is a family's worst nightmare that's happened. And so Esther, who reached out to me on a DM on Instagram, has been listening to podcasts of others that have come on and talked about a suicide of a family member, and she just has some insights she'd like to share that would help other family members that have gone through this. And Jill, um, Luke's mom, a mother of six, grandmother of two, is here with us also. She spoke at the funeral, and this is a mom's worst nightmare, obviously, to have her 31-year-old son gone um, in January of this year, and she'll share some thoughts. But it's also, uh, that's the first purpose, is to honor Luke, but the second purpose is to help families that are walking this road. This is a road that only other families walking this road understand. And there's some healing that can occur when you connect with and hear the stories of others walking this road. So our prayers that the things that Jill and Esther share will be helpful for you if this is part of your family journey. The third reason for this podcast is there are Lukes out there listening. Luke is someone who died by suicide, but really no one picked up that this was something he was considering and ultimately completed. And I recognize that there is a lot of people like that um, that are silently considering this road. So this podcast is for you. Um, I'm convinced that those of you that are considering this road would like to find a way to find hope and healing and a way to stay. And maybe some of the things is our prayer that Jill and Esther share will help you as you're walking a pretty difficult road and, and wondering if this is something that will become part of your life, which we pray at will Anything that I've said that needs to be corrected as far as a bio? That's perfect. <laughs> um, Jill, just introduce your family for us. You've got six kids. Just tell us their ages and their names. All right. I've got six children, three boys and six, three, three boys and three girls. My oldest is Kenneth. He's 34. He's an attorney. Um, Luke is would have just been 32 on the 23rd. Kelsey is 29, and she is a manager for technical writing for SkyWest. And Shelby is 24. Um, her husband's in college up at Rexburg. Esther just turned 19, getting her mission papers ready. And then our youngest is Mel, and he just turned 15. 
And um, you can end up with a lot more than two grandkids someday, Joe. I don't know what your number's going to be, but it's going to be more than two. And tell us about your two grandkids. We have a little boy and little girl that are four and a half. They're twins. They're kins, only children. And William and Elizabeth. And tell us where you live. Um, we live in Hoytsville, which is outside of Park City. It's unincorporated Summit County. And tell, do you live on a lot of land? Or tell us, kind of, because yeah. my impression is I'm in the city on a quarter, third of an acre. I'm guessing you have more land than that. Yeah, we have 250 acres up on the, <laughs> up above um, Hoytsville. Our nearest um, neighbors are cows, are my brother-in-law's cows. Um, yeah, we, we don't have any cows. We try to keep two dogs alive. Um, and we live around my husband's family. My husband was raised there. So all my children have graduated from North Summit High School. From North Summit High School. Well, we should be doing, this is a July afternoon, listeners, and we're in the city. We should be up in your yard doing this podcast on this beautiful afternoon and with puffy clouds over those mountains and green fields. And cool. And cooler, exactly. Yes. Thanks again for both of you being on the podcast. Um, let's just kind of talk to our listeners why you reached out and wanted to be on the podcast. Yeah. Um, so, Or actually, you just reached out saying a couple of these podcasts were helpful, and I say, would you be willing to share your story? And you said, sure. Yeah, I, I love your podcast. Um, I first discovered you um, on Twitter. I just saw that you were following the same people that I was following, so I just decided to follow you. Um, and I, I really liked your tweets. And, you know, I myself am an LGBTQ ally, um, and that's very important to me. And I, I really like that we have the same beliefs on that. Um, and I just loved how you, you know, included everyone. And um, you really made me see the gospel in a new light and have strengthened my testimony in that way. Um, and then when my brother passed away, sorry, <laughs> um, I... It was going through a really rough time, as I'm sure anyone who's gone down this road, you know, they, they know how I feel. Um, and I was just, I was on Facebook, and I found, I don't know how I found it, but I found Leanne. Like, I saw Listen, Learn, and Love by Richard Osler, and I was like, I know that name somehow. Um, and I just saw that someone had posted that Leanne was on it. And, you know, I, I know Leanne's story. Um, and so... I, I took a, I started to listen and that helped me so much um, just with what I was going through. And you know after I got done listening to that, um, I sent the link to my mom and my sisters and they listened too. And yeah, it just it just helped me and not only that episode but all the other episodes I listened to after that so much um and so i just wanted to let you know that it helped me so i decided to reach out <laughs> glad you reached out i'm glad leanne is one of my heroes just like your family for bravely being willing to talk about what's gone in our and her family and if our listeners aren't familiar that's leanne tressler although i think she's getting married i think i picked up on facebook she's in, yeah, you're both nodding your head so she lost a husband and then her oldest son to suicide and um, was willing to talk about that and really admire her. Her podcast maybe has 20,000, 30,000 listeners. Um, so these kind of podcasts are pretty tender, but often very helpful to other people. 
Jill, you spoke at the funeral. I got the funeral program in front of me. This is right before COVID kind of broke out. So um, will you just share with our listeners a little bit about your talk at his funeral? Or just introduce our listeners to Luke. Um, the reason I really wanted to speak at his funeral, even though my oldest son and my husband were not in favor of it, um, was because I, I could tell the story of Luke. Luke, when Luke was born, um, I always said Luke didn't act like he ever wanted to be here because his birth was very traumatic and we both ended up in ICU. And um, the heavens opened when Luke was born. And I really wanted to tell that story. However, as I sat down to write my talk the night before, that wasn't the, that wasn't the story I told. The story I told was about having a testimony of Christ so that in your despair, you have someone. And I didn't feel like Luke had that. And so that was what I wanted to convey. Because I think in that audience, as I met people at the viewing, it was very tough to meet some people I never met. And as I looked out on that audience, um, I think there was a lot of Lukes in that audience. And I wanted them to know that even at my darkest hour, I could rely on Christ and I had him. And so I don't know if I made any sense that day, but that was what I was trying to convey was was that. And so hopefully that made sense to somebody out there. And I think it did, because in the days and the months after or weeks after, there was a lot of people that said that they had had to go back to that, that feeling, that knowing that Christ was there for them. So maybe it did. I love that. Um, any thoughts, Mr. on your mom's talk? Luke's, and do you remember it and, and any things you want to share about that? Um, yes, I do. Um, I was so proud of my mom for, for speaking. Um, that is a day that I would not ever want to repeat. <laughs> um, and, you know, the things that me and my family went through that week and, you know, are still going through, I would not wish it on my worst enemy. And my mom is the most wonderful lady. My mom loves her kids. And she's just a wonderful mother. And her and Luke had a, had a very special bond. And... Um, I, I remember, uh, the, the night before, uh, the funeral, I, I went downstairs to say goodnight to my mom and I saw her writing that talk and I, I'm sorry, I'm losing my trails out, but, um, <laughs> I, when I saw her stand up, although it, it was very hard, 
my mom looked like an angel to me. And she has gone through a rough couple of years um, after my, my grandpa passed away. And, um, it, you know, because her, her and my grandpa were very close. And, you know, Luke kind of saw that, that she, that she struggled with that and struggled with coping. And so I'm sure that day when she had that strength to stand up and talk at his funeral after all she had been through with losing my grandpa and Luke, I'm sure Luke was just so proud. And her, her talk was so beautiful um, because it, it's true. When you're in your darkest moments, this is something I have learned um, as I've gotten older, is that no matter how heavy you feel or how hard life seems to get, Christ is always there. Christ suffered on the cross for all of us. And I, I truly believe that Christ knows us and he, he knows how Luke felt and he suffered with Luke and when Luke crossed the veil he was there to welcome Luke with his arm open arms and um it was it was so wonderful to see my mom stand up and and speak about that how Christ is with us through everything and all we have to do is just go to him and I just thought that was really beautiful <laughs> I love that you chose to talk about that as part of your talk, and I think I really agree with what you taught, Jill, is that Christ is there for all of us. And I think sometimes we believe he's not there when we're not our best or doing our best, or we sometimes think we're not worthy of his love or his acceptance or his help in our lives, and I think that's just not consistent with our doctrine. I'm so glad you taught that. It's sometimes people think, well, I'll kind of get back to where I need to be, however that's defined by someone, and then I'll be worthy of Christ's help, and then I can connect with. I think all of us are parents, and we need our kids where they are, and we just want to walk with them. So, you know, I'd love to talk more about Luke. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you've got these pictures around the table. This is a beautiful young man who's given the full of life and goodness uh, why don't you go first, Esther? Let's talk about your brother. Yeah, of course. Um, Luke was an awesome, awesome guy. I, I mean, there are so many words to describe Luke. Um, he was just a wonderful big brother. Um, me and him are 13 years apart. And um, my four older siblings, so Kenny... Um, Luke, Kelsey, and Shelby. They're my half-siblings. Um, but from the moment I was born, I have always been accepted. Um, I, I said this, I sang at his funeral, but before I sang, I, I spoke I spoke a little bit. Um, and I said, you know, we, we may, this is kind of a cheesy statement, but it's 100% true. We may be half-siblings, but there was no, like, half-love. You know, they, they, from the moment I was born, they accepted me. And Luke was, was wonderful at that. I mean, all my siblings are, um, but Luke, Luke was absolutely wonderful at that. Um, from the moment I was little, we were, we were pals. <laughs> um, I remember him coming home from high school and he would just pick me up and be like, okay, Ellie, let's go downstairs. So I thought, okay. <laughs> um, and he would play video games and I would just sit on the floor and, um, you know, watch him and he 
although I, I have I know nothing about video games. I would like see a character like a princess in like a pre-dress or something, and be like, oh, can I be her? And he'd be like, yeah. And so he he kind of keep playing his game, but he'd like somehow incorporate me into the story and. He did that all the time, and I remember he he introduced me to who the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles were. He showed me all these different movies, Um, and I I have, like, this distinct memory of watching The Hunchback of Notre Notre Dame with him, and um, it was, I'm always kind of scary when you're you're little, because you you have no idea what's going on, and, uh, but he, he was just awesome. He... I don't, I don't know. He was just awesome. And he introduced me to all these different movies. He introduced me to my sense of humor. All me and my siblings are are funny in our in our own right, but he he's kind of the reason I have the sense of humor I have. Um, like we all have a we're all very dry, we like weird memes and stuff, and that's kind of because of Luke, because he has like the funniest sense of humor. If you ask anyone uh to describe Luke, they'd probably say hilarious because he was he was so funny um he was he was very personable he could he was he was an introvert but if you got him talking and stuff he he wants to know everything about you um and he was he was very creative he loved movies and video games and as we after he passed away we got um some notebooks and like we saw how he created all these different kinds of stories and how he had all these different like video game ideas. And like, who, like who does that? Like, <laughs> um, but he did, he, he loved it. And he, he loved puzzles, which I'll never understand because I am not a puzzle person. Um, but he loved puzzles. He loved putting things together. He loved learning new things and, um, one thing that he really liked was Jeopardy <laughs> as he got older. Um, he, him and his roommate started watching Jeopardy and he just like became obsessed with it. He came up with a song, <laughs> um, to like the tune of the Jeopardy theme song and he loved Alex Trebek and yeah, he was just, a. Uh, there's, there's so much to say about Luke, but he was just a uh, all around awesome, funny, creative person just, and just a wonderful person. I'd love to have Jill comment some more on Luke. It's mm-hmm. interesting to me that there's roughly 13 years between you and Luke. Um, and in my experience, that's a big enough gap that siblings often don't connect. That Luke is in his teens when you're, you know, in your single digits and he's in his 20s. And so it's a credit to Luke and you that you have this beautiful friendship. Um, you showed me a picture before we started that our listeners can't see. It's your newborn picture, your one-year-old picture. And this young man in his teens, I guess, early teens, just bright-eyed and full of life. And it just gave me an insight into this beautiful connection between the two of you and how unique your relationship, and I use the present term, is, because I think it continues. And it's a credit for you, Jill. Um, since these are stepbrothers, the inference is there you've gone through a divorce and you're married now and have had four kids with your first husband and two with your next husband. But that's a credit to you that, you know, that's probably not what you thought would be part of your path. You know, that that would happen and that it's a credit to you that you 
brought this family together. There may have been some hard days and some days when they didn't all get along. That's certainly true of our family. It's a credit to you for what you've done with these siblings and all your children's to bring them together under your love. There's something about a mother's heart and ability to bring a family together. And that's why I love these spoken books for me. Some more about Luke. Tell us some of his interests or just anything else you'd like to share. Um, well, first, going back to that, my husband gets a lot of credit too because when he. What's his first name? His name's Mel Brown. Mel. Yeah. Where to go, Mel, if you're listening? Our 15 year old is Melvin R. Brown II. Way to go. Way to keep that name going. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's a credit to him because when he asked me to marry him, I said, I do not want my children treated as stepchildren. So if you're going to refer to my kids as stepchildren, I know I'm not going to get married. And he said, no, they will be my children. And they were, they, he never, he paid for college, he paid for cars, he paid for, he went to every basketball game and every dance recital. I mean, he's, he's been a good dad. So you have to, I can't get all the credit. He's great. <laughs> but yeah, he's That's been great. a good man. But Luke, um, back to Luke, uh, Luke was such a compassionate child. I mean, when he was on the trek, him and Kelsey were on the trek when Mel was born, and he was so excited to get home and hold that baby. And this, and we got home from the hospital not very long before Luke was to get there, and he came running in the house and dropped everything and looked terrible because he hadn't showered in four days. And grabbed that little boy and just sat and held him. So Luke was such a compassionate with animals, and um, he and he cared. He it was an interesting thing because, like when my dad was sick, um, he went to stay with him. But then after my dad passed away, then my husband got really sick, and he got an infection and had to be hospitalized for quite a bit in April and again in December 2017, and I hated to leave the hospital. I hated to, because I just knew, I thought, this is just such a bad joke that I'm going to lose my father, who I worshipped the ground he walked on, and then my husband. And, and so Luke would come to the hospital, and he would say to me, oh, Mom, go home and shower and go home and sleep. And I'm like, I don't want to leave. And he said, I'll call you, you know, and I'll let you know. But I was an hour away from the hospital, and Luke would sleep there all night. He would sit in his chair and read a book and wait in case my husband needed anything because he needed care. He, you know, he couldn't, he couldn't even get out of bed on his own at that point. So um, Luke, Luke is a compassionate, loving person. I mean, he hated conflict, but you could always count on him, you know. Talk about, um, before we visited I love that last segment, Joe. You talked about your father, Ken, who died of pancreatic cancer. Talk about Luke's role in Ken's life once that diagnosis happened. Well, you probably have to go back to when Luke and Ken and Kelsey were little because they were so close to my father. And he, um, when Luke was born, um, my dad and mom had divorced. And um, so Luke and Ken were... I mean, they were as much to him as he was to them. I mean, they just had such a strong bond. And um, so when my dad was taken to um, Provo Medical Center, um, and he was, he was 
Um, we didn't know at the time, we, but we felt it was bad. And my oldest three children came down when they told us that he had pancreatic cancer. And um, I remember sitting in that emergency room. Actually, I don't think we're in the emergency room, but anyway, we were sitting there. And I just remember the devastation of all of us. And I had to, um, I had to, um, Esther was swimming, so I had to um, leave. And when I left, it was kind of an, um, we were trying to decide what to do. And my dad wanted to go home to Ridgefield. And um, so I left the hospital, went to um, watch Esther swim, and I called back to talk to my daughter, Kelsey, to see what, you know, if my dad had left and what was happening. And she said, told me that Luke had, had gone to take his a test because he was enrolled at Salt Lake Community College. And he had, he had quit his job, and he was headed to Richfield to stay with my dad for as long as it took. And we knew it wasn't going to be long because of being in pancreatic cancer. It was stage four. And he just moved to Richfield from Salt Lake and sat next to my dad and laughed and did puzzles. And while my dad slept, he would just sit there quietly. And that was just the kind of kid he was. You know, I'm assuming Luke is 21, 22, 23, you know, during this time, or maybe older. Yeah. He's probably older because your dad died about three or four years ago. Yeah. He was like 29 or so. He's a little older. But at the time, at least in my life, I was pretty selfish during that time. I mm -hmm. kind of had my life planned and I just admire, it just think gives me and our listeners an insight into Luke and the fact you could just flip on a dime and realize what was the most important thing and just go to Richfield and be with his grandfather, your father, Ken. And I love what he did. He was just there. And it wasn't very complicated. And he's just playing puzzles and talking and just there. And I just, I have to think about their relationship on the other side of the Do you go there sometimes? And, or have you had feelings about these yes. are the two most important people in your life that are on the other side of the veil? Mm -hmm. There's a lot of people in your life that are important in your life that are here, but I'm guessing the two most important people to you that are gone are your husband, Ken, and Luke. Yeah. Well, I, I was actually, at his birthday the other day, I was thinking, um, I'm a cyclist, I ride my bike many miles a week and um I'll sit and or I'll be riding and I'll think just something and I'll just think my dad and Lucky are somewhere close just barrel laughing because Ken and my dad and Luke had a, a special language they they would laugh and you would be like I do not know what is funny but they would just laugh and so I think probably they are barrel laughing over some funny things, and they're probably crying at others. But <laughs> yeah, they they had such a it's such a strong connection. Those two, I know my dad was there in those final hours. I know he, he you know he had to be. Love that. I believe that Esther. 
few thoughts that come to you about Luke and your grandpa, or just more thoughts about Luke? Oh, well, it's it's true. Luke and my, my uh, grandpa, Grampy, that's what we called him, um, had a very special connection. Um, I actually, there's a story. <laughs> so when I was around, I was just beginning high school, so I was probably 14. Luke asked me if I would go to Richfield with him to visit our grandpa. And I was like, yeah, of course. And so, you know, we packed up and went down to Richfield. And my my grandpa was he was a hard worker and he had like, he accomplished so much. He was a lawyer and like, he was a coal miner. (laughs) And like, he, he did all these things. And, you know, even when he was mid seventies, he still stayed busy, which I would never understand when I'm 70, I'm going to be, I'm going to be chilling. (laughs) Um, And so anyway, so he had a farm and he, he had bees and um, he had, the bees were usually in the backyard, but um, someone was spraying pesticide in, the, in the, like, the field next to his house, so he had to move the bees across town. And at this point, I was reading Harry Potter, and I was pretty engulfed in Harry Potter. Um, and so I remember I was just laying on the couch, and my grandpa was like, hey, hey sis, do you want to come with me to you know see my bees? And I was like, oh, I'm okay. You know, I also afraid of bees. Um, and so I was like, you know, I think I'll just stay back. But, but Luke and our cousin, um, went with our grandpa across town and it, it was like probably like an hour and a half later and they come in and Luke just looks like not good <laughs> and he's covered in bee stings. I'm like, Oh my gosh, Luke, what bee happened? Stings. Yeah. Bee stings. And I'm like, Luke, what happened? And Luke was really good at telling, you know, a story and he was so funny. And he was like, well, I went over uh, with the bees and they had a van and like the van like closed, like the door like closed, like automatically. So you press a button and it closed. And he was like, I was just standing there with the bees. And, you know, me and um, Mackenzie were standing there and all of a sudden the bees just started attacking us and swarming us. And so him and Mackenzie like, bolted it to the van and they <laughs> the bees followed them into the van and were stinging the them. Van. Yeah, and they kept stinging them and while he was just like screaming like <laughs> like trying to like close the door, but it was automatic and so it was so slow and so they were just getting stung by bees. Well my grandpa, who, you know, was like the toughest man I'd ever met, he like the bees would sting him and he just swat him off. Like he got stung by like probably like ten bees that day, but he acted like it was nothing. And so I just remember that, and that was just so funny to me. And, uh, yeah, that was just the person he was. Luke was just very, like, giving and, and, and hilarious and great at telling stories. And um, I, I really, looking back, I appreciate those moments I had with them. You know, like, as a 15-year-old, that seems like kind of like a small thing, you know, going to stay with your, you know, grandpa. Like, I'm sure I wanted to do other things, but... Um, I, I, I just love being around Luke and, you know, I, I have so many more stories I could tell with them, but looking back, I just appreciate those moments. <laughs> song did you sing at the funeral? Um, I sang Somewhere Over the Rainbow because he loved, uh, The Wizard of Oz. And so I just, I, I, I thought about other songs to sing, but I ultimately picked that one just because, 
um, but that was his favorite movie, and I just thought it would be a good tribute, and I like the words in that song. Love that. Just touched by both of your remarks so far, and a beautiful thing you have. Do either of you want to talk about just what it's like to be a mother, a sister of someone who dies by suicide, and how painful that is? Is there any vocabulary you can use? Any, how do you describe that to other people? Anybody want to talk about this just road that you're walking? It's just the worst road I can imagine a parent or a sibling The thing is, is people ask you, and it's a, it's so hard to put into words. There's such a void. There's no family holiday, there's no birthday. Um, nothing's complete anymore. There's such an emptiness without him. Even if he just came and sat and read a book, at least he was there and we got to see him, you know? Um, and then not knowing, not even suspecting and the shock, I don't know how long it takes for the shock to wear off. I don't think it ever does. Um, there's, it's just an emptiness. An emptiness that will never be filled. It's the first thing that you think about when you wake up. Like, I'll, you know, I'll wake up thinking it's going to be an awesome, right day. It can be just any day. It happens every day. And I'll think, Luke's gone. And it's just the most surreal thing. And sometimes it doesn't feel real. Like, I still text his phone sometimes just to see if he'll respond. I like that. Yeah. Or I'll see a meme. In fact, <laughs> a few, like, a few days after he passed away. I was sitting my, in my apartment, and um, this old, like, cartoon that we used to watch, um, like, came up on my Instagram. I don't know how. It was, like, turned into, like, a meme form. And I was like, oh, my gosh, Luke would love this. And then I remembered, you know, I, Luke can't see that, you know, or I won't be able to send that to him because no one's going to pick up the phone. So it's just, it's very surreal, and my emotions change. Uh, sometimes I'm, I said this in a post I posted a few days ago, sometimes I'm, you know, broken and I, I cry. And sometimes I'm just stoic because I don't, it's just kind of how my body processes, processes it. It's just, I don't know, it's just, it's so much that my body kind of sets it aside, you know, like it's, it's so much trauma that I have to deal with that, you know, it kind of, it's always background noise, but sometimes it hits, like, really hard, or sometimes it's just like, oh, yeah, you know, Luke's gone, and yeah, it's, just, it's just crazy. <laughs> I love the word you use, um, Jill Void. And I, I love, I guess I want everything to be all better for your family and everything back to normal, but I think when you talk like that, I realize that's never going to happen. 
maybe that's just the reality and, and you're accepting that, that our family's never going to be the same. And this void of having Luke gone will last your whole lifetime. And your kids will, and your kids' lifetime will grow up with Luke. And, and I hope that there'll be happy days and they'll feel like a family again, but I recognize they'll never be the same. And I shouldn't expect or hope, I kind of, and I just, I think it would dismiss how difficult the world is if I just kind of want everything to be okay again. I think a lot of people want it to be okay. I think a lot of people in your life, um, they don't understand. They haven't lost a child. And they want it to be okay. But you never go back. You know? Um, when my dad died, I had come to accept the fact that he was going to die. But you never plan on marrying your child. You don't prepare for that. And so when it happens, there's nothing, there's nothing to fill, take, to fill that person. There's nothing to, um, there's nothing to replace Luke. Just like my other five children, no one will ever replace each individual child that I have. And I think that's probably the hardest thing for other people to accept because they don't understand. And you find yourself isolating yourself because you know people don't understand. And I think that, that my kids, especially my daughter, Kelsey, I think she that's how she feels. You know, people think you're going to get up one day and you're going to feel better, but you're not. You don't feel better. And I think that's why, you know, I think it's so important to, to realize that your life matters, you know? I mean, no matter what life you have, your life matters. And, and the part that Luke played in our life was like, it's like a puzzle. It's like a missing puzzle. You know, that puzzle is never going to be complete again, ever. And we can search and search and search for that piece, but it's never coming back. So that's, that's a sad reality. Thanks for being so honest, John. Two questions come to my mind. If I'm your friend or a neighbor or a board member, what, what are, is there things I, questions I should ask you, shouldn't ask you, what can I do to, to help you? And maybe Esther wants to answer that too. Either of you could answer that. I, I mean, I can answer to the fact that um, I know that you pull away and you isolate yourself because people say things they don't really mean to say. And you're like, they don't understand how painful it, it is. Um, sometimes you just want a friend that will just walk with you, you know? Um, and sometimes you don't want them to say anything, you know? Uh, but I do find myself isolating myself a lot from people because what some people have thought was 
something good wasn't really good. It didn't help me. Um, so I don't know if, if I had to go to somebody in my situation. I think the only thing you can do is say, I'm sorry, you know? And people will say to you, um, if you call me or if you need me, call me. No one's going to call you. I mean, you're not going to call people. You're not going to call people. Um, I think that's why, you know, your podcast with, with Leanne Tressler was so moving to me because I could relate to what she was saying and I knew how she felt. Um, and if you don't feel it, you can't relate. And so it's not, it's no one's fault. I mean, Esther probably can say something that's a lot more profound than me. It's pretty profound, Jill. Um, I just remember after Luke died, um, I, I was home because my friend was in a play and I wanted to come up and see him in the play. Um, and I, right after I, I found out, I, I had driven my friend home, my roommate home. She, she grew up in the same town as me, so I, um, we, we both went and saw the play and I drove, so she was needing a ride back to school. And I remember after Luke passed away, I called her and said, Peyton, I said, you know, my brother just passed away. I don't know what I'm going to do and all this stuff. And I, I didn't even really want to go back to school, but my parents, my parents encouraged me to, which I'm glad they did because um, I, I was glad to be in, in Ephraim where I went to school. Um, just, you know, to have some time to work it all out, like a few days to work it out with my professors and everything. And, you know, I told Peyton, I was like, Peyton, I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do. And she said, okay, well, I will drive. She's like, just bring your car over and I will drive. And, you know, not a lot of words were spoken during that drive, but I I knew that she was there and she, she was there. She's amazing. Her and all my other roommates, so many people have helped me through this. They were amazing. And Payne has never gone through what I have gone through. And I hope she never does. But she she was there. Like, she didn't know what to say. And a lot of people didn't know what to say. And that's kind of like the best thing you can do is like admit, be like, you know, I, I don't know what you're experiencing. I've never been through what you've been through, but I will be there for you. And so just, so just saying that and just, yeah, saying I'm sorry um, is the best thing you can do. So many people have helped me. I, I already said that, but, you know, just being there, like, you don't even have to say anything. If it makes you uncomfortable, then that's okay. Like, because this is an uncomfortable situation. It's a really hard situation. But just being there and being a friend is just amazing. And I, I owe so much to so many people. But yeah, just being there. I love that because I can do that. I can drive in a car with you and just listen and not say anything. I don't need any special training to do that. And sometimes I recognize that for men in particular, maybe all of us in general, it's hard sometimes just to be quiet and listen. Um, I often know when I hear of someone that's died by suicide, I want to know how. And I want to know kind of the backstory. And I've learned that that's, I've tried to get my mind out of that space and try to learn about the person and just honor that person by 
by pretending to be at their funeral and hearing their family talk about it, just like we've been doing in this podcast. So, because I find there's a curiosity in my mind that would love to know, you know, how somebody died by suicide. What was the means? And did somebody find him? And just sort of all this morbid stuff that only me asking you those questions generally adds to your load and re-traumatizes you. Or questions like, did you know? Or who found him? And and that's sort of, I've learned to try to mute that part of my brain because it just adds to your burden. This isn't a time for me, my curiosity or being the latest one to know the inside scoop of what really happened so I can tell everybody and kind of elevate myself because I'm in the know. It's my time to mourn with you and getting to know Luke and asking how you're doing is better than some of the things I might have done earlier. And so that's, and I've learned not to say simple platitudes like this will all work out in the next life or he's going to bless you on their side or isn't it wonderful he's with Ken, your father. And I recognize that makes me emotionally safe and I can kind of think, well, this is all okay now. But that's just for me. <laughs> I recognize that this isn't about me if I'm trying to help you when you've lost your son. And I've got to do the things you're inviting our listeners to do if I'm really going to lift your burden versus add to your burden. Any more thoughts on on any of that? Well, I realize, you know, know, during the funeral, I'll be honest, a lot of people said some things that, like you said, they kind of brought up emotions I didn't want to feel. But I realize, you know, when people are uncomfortable or when people just don't know what to say, they kind of just ramble. Which, it's very insightful. Yeah, which, I'll be honest, I do that all the time, you know? When I don't know what to say, I kind of just say what's off the top of my head, and I, I don't think about it. And so when I, you know, a lot of people did ask me, well, did you know? I'm like, well, obviously, if I would have known, we wouldn't be in this situation, you know? But I, I, I realized, like, they're not saying that to be mean. Like, they're not giving me, like, these empty words to be mean they're just trying to come up with something to say because they don't know what else to say you know like they've never experienced this they don't know how I'm feeling but they're trying and so that's just something that I learned I actually um one of my sister's friends her brother passed away not by suicide but just another name and she said you know a lot of people are going to say some dumb things to you this week and it's, it's not because they're trying to be rude. It's just because they're trying to understand in the best way they can. And they're trying to help in the best way they can. And so they'll say these things, but like, they don't, they don't mean, they don't mean them, you know? And like I said earlier, the best thing you can do for someone who has gone through what me and my family or, you know, what other people I know have gone through is just, just be there. Just say, I'm sorry. I don't understand. I, I, I don't know exactly what you're feeling, but I, I will be there for you. And, like, service speaks louder than words. I I can't remember a lot of the things people said, but I do remember the things people did. You know, like, giving me a, giving me or my, my mom a hug or sending food. Yeah, sending to my starving family. Yeah, sending food or just, you know, t- saying good memories of Luke. I love that. Um, this one girl I know, she sent me old home videos that she had of Luke cool that yeah that has helped me so much and it's something that I can look back on and that I can go back to and be like oh Luke was just 
such an awesome guy. Like he was, he was so great. And my, my brain is starting to, you know, go fuzzy of memories because that's just what brains do. But that like keeps his memory alive and it keeps me remembering. Luke was my amazing older brother. That's a good segment. Julie, you kind of talked to others that, from what I think maybe our listeners are gathering, what we've talked about before we went live is this was a complete surprise. So this, like there were other, this was a bunch of yellow flags that led to um, Luke dying by suicide. This was a complete shock and a complete surprise. And I guess that's probably true of any something that dies this way, but both of you, I'm sure there's guilt. <laughs> I won't re-gut you, re-traumatize you. There's sort of like, why didn't I pick up signs? And I don't want you to, because everybody would go back and naturally think, well, I wish I'd done something different. So don't do that. But talk to other Lukes out there that are listening that are keeping this all inside. And even though they know people love them, they've got, you know, parents that love them, siblings that love them, they're not talking to anybody about this. And their personality, sounds like Luke's personality being an introvert and being incredibly empathetic of other people, he kind of kept all this to himself. And even when he opened up, I think he talked about how he didn't quite open up, even in really safe places like a mom and a sister, which would be I just sense he loved you both, but just talk to Luke's out there that are keeping this all inside and are really suicidal. What would you say to them? The thing that I wish that I could say to Luke is, like I said, no one, no one is going to fill your void. No one. And everyone has a Luke. But if you don't talk or you don't reach out, we don't know. We have no idea. And we live a life of what ifs, you know? If I had known, I would have never left his side. I would have gotten every help. I mean, I know that there's people that live in darkness, um, and we don't understand it if we don't have depression. And I I have an extreme sadness because of Luke, but I could never say that I knew depression, you know? Um, losing my dad was devastating, and I have a cloud of sadness, but I, I never gave up hope. And... If you have that feeling of hopelessness, you have to you have to find somebody that can help you. We need you. No one is going to fill your life. No one is going to replace you. And so, for you to to suffer like that alone, everybody wants to help you. There's not a mother in this world that wants her child to go through that. There's not a sibling in the world that wants her sibling to go through that. But I don't know how, I don't know how to stop it if you don't know, if you have no idea. I mean, that's why I'm trying to, 
to think of how to honor Luke, Luke's life. I don't want Luke to be forgotten. But the he never called a suicide helpline. He never reached out to a counselor. He wouldn't, he was scared of death to be addicted to anything. He wouldn't take any kind of antidepressant. So how do you know unless someone unless you will say? So I'm I'm just begging anyone that is in a dark place. Just the simple, please help me. That's all you'd have to say. I would have gone at any time in the night or day. I just would have known. Um, yeah, exactly. Um, I've learned through this process to rely on friends and family. And that's, I realized that's what they're there for. You know, that's, your friends are there to listen. Your friends and family, they care about you. It's uncomfortable. I, I was uncomfortable leaning on, on people, but you have to realize that's, that's why they're there. Your family does not want you to feel this way. Your friends, they do not want you to feel how you are feeling if you are feeling the way Luke felt. And I wish more than anything, Luke would have just said to me, Ellie, or they called me Ellie, Ellie, I'm, I'm depressed. I'm feeling, I'm feeling down. I, you know, these demons are, are kicking at me and, and they're winning and I, I need help. I would have... I would have done anything, like my mom said, to get him help. And I would have said, okay, Luke, I'm, I will help you. Um, I I keep losing my train of thought. I'm sorry. You're doing great. That's <laughs> I love what you said, that I've learned to rely on other people. Yeah. And I think that's a sign of strength. I think sometimes we have this phrase in the church that I like. It says, work out your own salvation, which is true. But I think sometimes we culturally sort of say this, anything going on in my life, it's sort of my job to figure it out. And what you said to me was a higher sort of law, a higher way of living is we need each other and we need to learn to rely on each other. And that's not a sign of weakness. That's not a sign of, it's just a sign that that's how we're wired. We're wired for connection. We're wired. That's why we're in these families and our friends and our church community is we need each other. We need to learn to be honest, just like you're suggesting, Jill, with what's really going on in our lives. And that's not a sign of weakness. That's a sign of strength, just like you said, to be able to open up with how you're feeling. Exactly. We're, we're all brothers and sisters. We're all going through this mortal life, you know. And we need to learn how to rely on each other and to learn lean on our Savior because that's why, that's why they're there. Um, after Luke passed away, I immediately got help because I knew I could not do this by myself. If I if I did this by myself, I I wouldn't be in a good good space. And so I immediately went to a counselor. Cool. And yeah, and I, I received the help I needed. And I my friends told me they're like, please, like, please tell me what you need. And like I said, I had a great friend like Peyton who who drove me home. I had a, another great friend who, you know, I, I needed to get anger out because, you know, it's a, grief is a crazy thing. And I was feeling a lot of anger. And so we went and, and smashed eggs, which is, <laughs> which sounds pretty, uh, 
I'm promotable, but hey, it, it helped. And so, yeah, I, I, if you are feeling like Luke and if you're feeling like me, if you're going through grief, please tell someone. If you keep it inside, it, it's just going to boil over and you, you need to get it out. And please, just please rely on someone. We, you matter to someone. I, I love this quote. My favorite movie is, is Moulin Rouge. <laughs> um, and there's a song um, called Elephant Love Medley. And, you know, it's a, it's a romance song, but one of my favorite lyrics is, um, how wonderful, sorry, I was like singing it. I'm like, did I say it right? Um, how wonderful life is, um, while you're in the world. And I, I think that's, that's also an Ellen John song, but I think that's so powerful because while you are so wonderful, you matter to so many people. Um, and, to someone, you are, you make their world wonderful. Luke made my life so wonderful, and so many other people do. And you just have to realize that, that you are so important, and you you matter to so many people. It's a really good segment. I, I, somebody framed it up to me when I told them who was a suicidal person. I said, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. And he or she, I can't remember, looked at me and says, there's no light in the tunnel. And it helped me understand the difficult spot. And so then I thought, what do you say to somebody? And I think you say what you two said. And you just have hope that if you stay in your body, to use Gail and Condi's terms, stay in your body for one more day, that there is, I think your older self will look back at some point and be so glad you stayed, even though it feels so hopeless right now. So I just join with Jill and Esther and invite those of you that just feel like you can't stay any longer just to stay another day and let people, just like Jill's invitation, let people know how you really feel. That's a part of getting help and getting help that you're not meant to solve everything on your own. We need each other and it's not a sign of weakness to say, I need help. I'll talk, I want to talk about why you decided to serve a mission, uh, maybe in the last segment, but I want to talk about this foundation that you put together to live with. One of you just go ahead and introduce that for us and help us all do that. Um, I ever since Luke died, I have thought, how am I going to keep people to not forget him? And so, uh, my siblings, my I, my brother, and my sisters, um, and my kid, my nieces and nephews, and my kids, um, we just kind of um, brainstormed what we could do, and. Um, we decided that we could do a, a start a foundation and award scholarships to people that we think are, um, you know, have the same qualities of Luke. If we could help Luke, we would, but we can't. So can we help? Who else can we help? Um, and we were brainstorming, and uh, we came up with, uh, it's the Lucas Terrell Kitchen Foundation, which is his full name, but... Um, our events are called Live For Your Luke because, um, and that was my nephew, Spencer, and my niece, Annika, that came up with that. And it's because everyone, whether you know it or not, you have a Luke in your life. And so through this foundation, we'll keep Luke's memory alive. But hopefully we can help your Luke, the Luke in your life. 
And that's what our goal is. And if you are a loop, we can help you. Yes. And if you're a loop, we want to help you. For sure. I love that. I love that the whole family came together and jointly did this together and started this foundation. That's going to help a lot of people. Um, tell us why you decided to start a mission. Tell us a little more about that, Esther, and just any story you want to share, just as this brought you closer with God when Luke passed away, closer with our church further. Was it just did it get complicated or has it always been pretty easy? Anything you want to share as part of your faith journey, just navigating all this and now your decision to serve a mission? Thank you. Um, uh, so last year, before before Luke passed away, um, I was working and I had just graduated high school and I was going through a spiritually hard time. Um, yeah, I, I just didn't know how I felt about the church. I, I always knew that there was a God and that, you know, Jesus Christ is my Savior, but I just, I didn't feel their love, you know? And I, I was just, I wasn't really focusing so much on, you know, my spirituality. I was, you know, focusing more on worldly things. And, you know, my, my spirituality just wasn't really a priority. And then uh, I went to church and there was a fast and testimony meeting. And this girl, she shared, you know, her testimony about how she, she needed an answer to a question. And so she... Uh, she went to the temple and she got the answer to her question. And I, I was like, okay, I wonder if she's going on a mission. And so Casey, that's her name. I messaged her and I was like, hey, Casey, like this is Miranda, but you know what? I was just wondering, are you, are you going on a mission? And she messaged me back and she was like, no, I'm not going on a mission. I am going on a service mission and all this stuff. And, you know, that was really just all I was wondering if she was going on a mission. And so I was like, okay, that's great. And I, I was just going to end the conversation there. Um, but I got the prompting to, to ask her for help. And so I reached out to her and said, Casey, you know, I'm, I'm going through a hard time spiritually and I, I just want to, I, I need someone to talk to. And she was like, okay. She was like, I can, we, we can meet up and have dinner tonight. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and so, um, we met up and we, we went to Denny's. That's not important, but I love Denny's. <laughs> and uh, she she did help me through it. She like she told me she was like you know God God knows you and God answers your prayers and you know she she told me she's like I don't know exactly what you're struggling with like but you can always rely on Him and I was like okay that's great you know um, and I went home and I was just laying in bed and I was just on Instagram it was like the most insignificant thing and I got this most overwhelming like sensation in my body and this like it, the words got burnt in my brain like go on a mission go on a mission and it was like it was like so powerful and I was like oh my god <laughs> at this point I did not want to go on a mission I had I hadn't even thought about that and I texted my friend Peyton who was also my roommate I said Peyton I just got the prompting that I need to go on a mission but I don't want to go Peyton and she Peyton's so supportive she's such a such a sweetheart and she was like well you know she's very reassuring she's like okay maybe maybe it's not like a full-time mission maybe it's just a couple's mission or a service mission and I was like yeah maybe and so I, I called my sister Shelby and I said Shelby 
uh, I just got the pumping to go on a mission. And Shelby said, oh, I know. And I'm like, what do you mean you know? She's like, oh, yeah, I think you would be an amazing missionary. And I was like, oh, I don't know. And she was like, well, you know, just pray about it and think about it. And um, for a few months after that, I really did not, I still did not want to go on a mission. It was just not something I had in mind. I thought I was going to marry you know, someone young, <laughs> but then I went to college and I was like, actually, no, I don't want to marry anyone. <laughs> but, you know, I was like, I came, I came to know my savior more and I started to rely on my savior more. Um, and after Luke passed away, I, you know, for the, for the weeks after that, I was like, should I go on a mission or does my family need me right now? And, um, what I've, what I've decided is that if there's someone like Luke out there that I can, that's waiting for me and while I'm on my mission and someone that needs to hear, you know, that, that God loves them and, you know, my message, then I will, I will give my 18 months just to meet that person. I, I want to help. I want to help a Luke. And I did, I did tell Luke um, that I was thinking about going on a mission before he passed away. And, you know, Luke wasn't very serious. He was like, oh, that's cool, you know, and just like, stuff like that, you know. But he was very supportive of it and everything. And um, I, I had a dream that he visited me. And he said, and it was right after he passed away, and when I was going through a really spiritually hard time and I was, I was angry and, and Luke said, and I, I was thinking about not going on a mission. Luke told me in my dream, which is so not like, like Luke, you know, cause he was a very, you know, like silly person. Really. But in, in this dream, he said, Ellie, Satan is going to try it and tempt you and distract you, but you can't listen. And then he hugged me and, and he, said goodbye and I I I really think that I I do need to go on a mission and and stay true to God so I can I can help someone like Luke and you know I'll be honest I still I'm I'm scared (laughs) I'm scared and you know COVID is a is a thing that's happening right now and I, I worry, and sometimes I don't do the right things, but I I really do believe in the gospel, and something I believe more than anything is the eternal families. I, I know that I'm going to see Luke again someday, and I, I need to help let people know that there is a Savior who loves them, and that they can be, if they have lost someone the way that I have lost Luke, they will see them again. And I just, I just have a testimony that God knows us. God knows you. If you are feeling, if you are feeling demons creep up on you and tell you that you are, that you are nothing or or that you are important, that is not true. God loves you. God knows you. Jesus Christ died for you. No matter how you how you feel, He knows how you how you felt. He has been with you through every step of the way, 
And I, I truly believe that Luke, I'm going to see Luke again, and that Luke is in total peace right now. I, I don't worry about Luke. He's, he's chilling. He's having a great time up there. Although I wish he was still down here with me, I know that he is, he knows now that he is so loved and that he was never abandoned. And yeah, I just, I just want people to, people to know that. That's a great segment, Esther. I'm struck with a couple things about that. I'm struck with the reason you want to go to mission is completely focused on other people. And maybe it isn't every moment of your life, mm-hmm. but I just love the mature spiritual spot in where you want to serve a mission because you want to bring other people to Christ and you want to find Luke's out there that don't have any hope in their life. What a great, what a great reason to serve a mission. What a great reason to bring people to gospel. And what a great way to honor Luke. And I wondered if you, and maybe you've thought about this, I sort of imagined your missionary badge. Mm-hmm. And on the other side that no one can see, you honoring Luke somehow with a sticker or his name or a Wizard of Oz or something. Or mm-hmm. Something that would just make Luke kind of on that badge symbolically serving with you. As he will be with you, just like you know. And, and I just love the hope you can bring to others that you're doing in this podcast um, and you could do on this mission. Assuming you will um, end up serving, as it sounds like you're pretty committed, but you will be a great mission. And you will reach people that no one else can reach and somehow they'll just get it. You'll just get their story and you'll be able to identify. They may not have a situation exactly like a family member, but you just have gifts that you have right now that will just make you relate to other people and be able to walk on sister roads because of the road you're walking on. And your companions and others will go, she just gets it. And that's part of your beautiful life mission, but there's still this huge void that looks gone. So that doesn't replace that, but it's just, I really admire your maturity and your desire to serve, and you will be a great missionary. Thank you so much. Um, we're coming at the end. You've done a great job. Are there things more that either of you would like to say? Just that you're loved uh, and you are so important to so many people. And if you don't think you can tell a family member or a friend, please call, you know, the National Suicide um, Hotline. Please message me like I have Instagram I have I have Snapchat please please message me um my Instagram is queen.esther.brown and I I would love to talk to you um and give you the help you need but just know that if there's someone you don't think you know you can go to you can I if you don't feel comfortable you, you'd be surprised on how much people want to help and how good people are. So please, and just know that your Savior, Jesus Christ, loves and cares about you so much. That was what I, how I was going to close, is by saying, you know, if, if you are in a position, pray. Pray. 
if that's the only thing you can do, because Christ will walk with you. You might not know it, but I know he's walked with me. So it's not profound, but it's it's what I have <laughs> at this point. Um, that brings us to the end of this podcast. I wish everybody could see the program here that I'm looking at from um, Lucas's funeral, Lucas Terrell Kitchen, July 23rd, 1998 through January 12th, 2020. This is a picture, it looks like a teenager there. High this school graduation. High school graduation. Mm-hmm. With him and Grampy. And this is Grandpa Ken. Um, and I just love this picture together, and there's another picture in there with the two of them. Grandpa Ken, his older brother Ken, and Ken. And, um, I hope everybody could see this funeral service. There's like 12 things on this. I love the way you had so many people participate in this funeral, that you two were participating participants, you can just tell this is a loved a man from a wonderful family. And, and But him being gone creates this void, and I'm glad you're honest about that and how difficult it is, because on a pragmatic perspective, I recognize that that can help people stay in this tunnel longer and stay in their body, just recognizing the pain it brings into other people's lives if I choose to leave this life. And, and, and that's okay. Um, but it's really the things you're talking about, getting help, asking friends, being open with where you are and, and the role of Christ that you pointed out, Jill, that always loved you and always be with you. And I just joined voices with these two good women to please stay. Um, please stay. Um, stay for another day. Stay in your body. Get help. I think your older self will be glad to stay. Um, and thank you, our listeners. If you want to hear more of the podcast on this subject, suicide, you can go to Listen, Learn, and Love. And there's a menu bar at the top. That, that's listenlearnandlove.org. And there's a menu bar at the top that says podcasts because there's like 300 podcasts now. And that has them in categories so that if you wanted to find all the podcasts in this category, there's a bunch of them there. We'll add this one to that category. Thank you, our listeners, for joining us. Mm-hmm.